You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Second Kings chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. And this is a story that I know most of you are, are familiar with, at least somewhat. It's Elijah and Elijah and the passing of the mantle. Look at verse 8. It says, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. That would have been a sight to see. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when, the, and when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. I'd like to preach to you tonight about a question that Elisha asked there in verse 14. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And I wonder if the, those that are coming behind us that we're passing the mantle to as parents in the next generation, if they're watching our lives, are they asking, where is the Lord God of my dad? Or where is the Lord God of my mom? I wonder if the message we're giving them is about the relationship we have with the Lord and not the mantle itself. We're going to look at the difference between those two tonight and hope to be a help, especially in this area of parenting on the God of the mantle. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we come and humble ourselves. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us tonight to be open and receptive to it and pray that it's clear. I pray that it would be your message, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Our Wednesday night series has been about parent principles. We took a couple of months off during uh, the quarantine and all of that, but, but we're back into it at least for a short time. We, and then we, just as a review, we've looked at principles like as parents, we're ambassadors, not owners, in that we are simply representing God and his desires to our children. We don't own our children necessarily. Uh, We looked at principles like how we're authorities, not agents of change, in that we can set parameters and we can set laws and 
We can build fences around them, but only God can change their hearts. We also looked at the principle like how a parent should begin with the end in mind and that we should be raising our children. Like Paul told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. We should raise our children uh, with the end in mind that they are examples of the believer, even as young people. They don't have to settle for the expectations that are placed on them by our culture. They can rise and be examples. Those are some of the principles that we've covered. And, and as I was pondering uh, how to maybe wrap up some of the thoughts that I've wanted to convey in this series, I wanted to go back to something that really matters the most. And I believe that the transition here between Elijah and Elisha can give us some help in this area. And I'll show, you'll see, I hope and pray that you'll see how it applies in this realm of parenting. But Elijah and Elisha had a unique relationship. Look back, keep your place here in 2 Kings, but look back at 1 Kings 19, just a few pages back to the left. We're going to see how they got to know of one, each, one another or how this transition began. 1 Kings chapter 19, it says in verse 16. 1 Kings 19, 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be the king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Moholah, that shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. So God comes and very clearly tells Elijah that Elisha will be the prophet in his stead when Elijah goes off the scene. Look down at verse 20. And here's this, uh, verse 19. Here's when Elisha and Elijah first meet. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So this is this, is this first encounter between Elijah and Elisha. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the actual story here. And I'll just trust that you know some of it well enough. I want to try to get to the principle here tonight. But when Elijah found Elisha, plowing in the field he walked by and and he threw and i've got i'm just this is just a coat i asked my wife to bring and and um, he threw his mantle at elisha just to just to let elisha know that he's the guy he threw his mantle here he's and as he's walking by and elisha is plowing literally in the middle of plowing elijah walks by and he throws his mantle at elisha and Elisha knows what it means. Elisha immediately drops everything. I mean, he leaves the oxen in the field. He drops everything to follow Elijah. And you say, well, why would you follow uh, Elijah? Why would you just drop everything just like that? Well, the mantle meant something. And I'm not going to get, again, into a lot of this tonight. But if you look at the root word of the word mantle in Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew expert but it, it, the meaning of that word actually means glory. So what we think to be an overcoat or we think to just be a garment, it actually means glory or splendor or magnificence. It's an overcoat. 
But that's what the word means. And what it represented is the power and authority of God. So when Elijah comes by and he throws the mantle at Elisha, uh, Elisha's not offended by this. Elisha knows what it means. And by, when the, uh, the mantle comes to him, he runs after Elijah. That very day, he follows him because the mantle was a symbol for God's authority. Elisha knew that, that when the mantle was cast at, his, at him, that he was going to be the one that takes the place of Elijah as the prophet. Okay, so he knew what it meant. It was a ceremonial symbol of a transfer of authority. So that leads us then back over to 2 Kings chapter 2. And at this point, Elisha has spent a few years ministering to Elijah as his, his successor. And by the time we get to 2 Kings chapter 2, it's well known that Elijah is about to leave. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So here's Elijah, Elisha following Elijah. I'm going to, I always butcher it when I talk about Elisha and Elijah. I always mix up the name. So uh, hopefully you understand who I'm talking about. The Lord has revealed to Elisha and the sons of these prophets here that Elijah is about to be taken away. And Elisha knows that something's about to happen and he doesn't want to miss out on whatever God wants to do. And there's going to be a, a full then final transfer of authority and so three times Elijah tells Elisha that the Lord has called him to a new place and basically tells him he should just stay behind. In verse 2, he says, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. In verse 4, he says, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. In verse 6, he says, the Lord has sent me to the river Jordan. And every time that Elijah tells Elisha to stay, Elisha says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Now, he wasn't being rebellious. He wasn't trying to like... He wasn't just trying to show his power. He wasn't, about to, he wasn't saying, I'm about to be the guy. You can't tell me what to do. No, he doesn't want to miss out on what God's about to do. He wants to be there for it. It's perfectly fine that, he's, that he wants to be there. He's like, I'm not going to miss out. And I can apply this in so many ways. I, I try not to chase a lot of rabbit trails. But listen, God could do something uh, any time that he wants to. And I especially think that God could do something at any church service that he wants to. And if you're a member of Eastside Baptist Church, you know what your mentality should be? I don't want to miss out on what God might do tonight. And I look around this room and I see a good full room here on Wednesday, but I also think about people that aren't here. And I'm thinking, man, you should, you should want to be where God meets with his people because God may do something really special at any moment. And he could do that tonight. And if nothing else, we shouldn't always just be looking for the next big thing. We should just be faithful to where God has us. That's what Elisha is doing. He says, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And in doing so, he ends up walking from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan River, something it's 20 miles, probably much more. But he has the idea that God is doing something and he wants to be in on it. 
He doesn't want to miss out on it. So they travel to the Jordan River. And when they get to the Jordan River, look down in verse 7. They come to the Jordan River, verse 7. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. They wanted to see what was about to happen too. They're like, what's going to happen with Elijah and Elisha? And they too stood by Jordan. So they go up to the edge of the river. And Elijah took his mantle and he wrapped it together. And I don't know how he did it. But it says that he smote the waters with his mantle. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. So they come to the Jordan River and Elijah takes that mantle and he rolls it up, this overcoat. He rolls it up and he smites the water and the waters part and they cross on dry ground. It parts, they cross, they cross the river. After they cross, Elisha um, finds out that his determination to stay with Elijah uh, is, it, it, it comes uh, to help him out. It's a good thing. Because in verse 9, look what happens. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And I think that's a good point to be made too. And because he was where he was supposed to be, then he's given the opportunity for God to do something for him. Elijah says, What, are you, what do you want me to do? You ask what you want from me before I'm taken away from you. So I love what Elisha asked for, and you know this. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. A double portion. See, his determination to stay with Elijah uh, is a good thing because he gets to be there when he has an opportunity to ask for it. He asked for this double portion. Now, um, this doesn't necessarily mean that Elisha is asking for twice the spirit that Elijah had. Now, I don't know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that's what he's asking, and that may be it, but in my understanding, what I think that he's doing is he's referring to what many would have known about being the firstborn in that day, and that as the firstborn son, for instance, you would get twice as much as whatever all the other sons would get by being the firstborn. And so it's not so much, I don't believe, that Elisha is asking for twice what Elijah got, as much as he is saying, listen, I know that I'm going to get something from you, but I don't just need the minimum. I think I need more than the minimum. I think I need everything you can give me. I'm not, I don't want to just get a small amount, Elijah. I, need, I want a double portion. I want something more than just the bare minimum. I, want you, I just want everything I can get. That's, what he, that's his spirit. And even if he's asking for twice what Elijah had, then I still think that's his spirit. He's still saying, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the bare minimum, as has been evidenced by the fact that for these few years, I've followed you everywhere you've gone. I've been your minister. I've taken care of you. I've, I've done what I can. And even today, you said, I've got to go here, stay. No, I'm going. I want to be there. I think we know Elisha's spirit to get everything he can. You know, Elisha knew he could not take up Elijah's position without help. That's what it comes down to. He needed that spirit. He needed Elijah's power. If he was to succeed in Elijah's place, he needed something. He doesn't have confidence in himself. He knows he's watched Elijah do miracles and he's thinking, I can't do what he does. I need something. And then we come down to the portion that, I, that our main thought is really found here. In verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire. 
and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And I, I'm not going to spend time on this. I, I'd love to. But if you can just imagine, they're walking and suddenly there's a chariot of fire and horses. And it goes right between the two of them. And after it parts them, a whirlwind carries Elijah up to heaven. And for me to think that I could even preach and do justice to that visual, I'm not even going to try. Let's just say God's amazing. <laughs> what an amazing thing to have watched happen. I, I don't know if those 50 sons of the prophets were still watching, but I, I imagine they were fist bumping after that. You know, like, what, did you see that? So, understandably, then Elisha is troubled. He's he mourns over the fact that Elijah's been carried away and, and, and he takes the mantle and he picks it up, that, the mantle that fell from him, and he goes back to the river Jordan and look what he does in verse, uh, in verse 14. And, they, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? So he picks up the mantle, and he does with it what he had just watched Elijah do. He had just seen Elijah roll up that mantle, I don't know exactly how he did it, and smite the waters, and Elisha goes, and he does the same exact thing that Elijah does. Now, I think that it's funny how, I don't know if you've ever done this, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but when I'm by myself, sometimes I do weird things. Uh, can you imagine if Elisha, you know, he's carrying the coat of the mantle and he's looking around and it's kind of like, well, now, now what do I do? You know, it's kind of like when we, you bring your first baby home. I remember that, you know, at the hospital, everything is great. But then you walk in the door and you're like, OK, what happens now? But he's standing there and he's thinking, well, you know, the last thing I saw Elijah do with a mantle was slap the water with it. So he kind of looks around, like, are the sons of the prophets still watching me? And I don't, I, I'm just, I like to be transparent sometimes. I do weird stuff when nobody's watching me, okay? I, we used to live next door to the, the church there in Stillwater, and there were times where I would, I would start walking across the parking lot, and I'd close my eyes. And I would just see if I could make it all the way to the building without tripping over something or walking into something. Just, just because, you know, sometimes, you know, and I made it a few times. And then I scraped my nose a few times, too. So, but I just wonder if he's just thinking, well, the last thing Elijah did with the mantle was slap the water. So, so I think I might just try what Elijah just did. So he picks up that mantle and he smites the water. And guess what? It does the same thing it did for Elijah. They parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. Wow. It's almost like, if we're, not, if, we're, if we're not really thinking much about it, it's almost like we imagine that Elisha now has a magic wand. He's like, well, this thing does all kinds of cool stuff. And he's like, you know, slapping trees, and he's throwing it over the... You know, I mean, I, I, what would you do with a magic wand in the forest? I mean, but he doesn't just slap the water, folks. He asks a question. He asks a very important question, and I think it's the question that matters the most 
really even more than the mantle, he goes to that water and he picks up the mantle and he smites the water, but he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? See, see, Elisha knew something very important here. And this is where we get into the point tonight. See, he knew he had the same mantle, but without the God of the mantle, the mantle was just an overcoat. It's just a magic wand. I mean, it, it doesn't do anything. It, he knows that the power of that mantle lied, lay not in the person he got it from, but in the person it represented. It means glory. It's about power. It's about God's presence. And he knew that the mantle and the presence and power of God were not one and the same. See, mantles are great. But without the God that empowers them, they're just coats. And I think that we have some mantles, and I'm thankful for the mantles that we have as Christians and as Baptists. We have some mantles. We have the mantle of right doctrine, and you can say amen about that. I do believe we have right doctrine, and it's not because we're smarter than anybody else, but we realize we're dumber than, than most people, and we need the Bible to tell us what we believe. Like, we haven't gone outside of it. And, and I know that's an amen right there, but listen, if you ever think that, that you can outthink God's word and find something new, you're not going to find anything new. Just stick with the Bible, and that's where people get off these days. We, it's a good mantle to hold on to. And we have the mantle of the gospel, and there's power in the gospel, and we should utilize the gospel. By the way, I've been very convicted lately of through all of this with coronavirus it's almost like social distancing it may have affected our dealings with people on a personal level and and just because of coronavirus doesn't mean that we can stop giving the gospel to people and inviting people to church and i know people may not want to take a track but when's the last time you handed one out we have a man the mantle of the gospel let's utilize it we have the mantle of i think about in here we've got right music and and we try to do things the right way and not as a matter of pride, but because I think we're trying to please the Lord with it. It's a good mantle. We're not going to give that up soon. And some have the mantle of a godly influence from their parents. And I look around the room and think about those of you that were raised. Brother Wade, I mean, I mean Brother Wade and I talk about it sometimes, how much of a blessing it is to be raised by a dad and a mom that love God. I mean, not everybody gets to have that. You know, that's... That's, that's rare, but that's a good mantle to have. And for you young people in this room that, that may be thinking that, you know, that's not a very important mantle, I mean, don't discard that. God gave you a gift to give you a good godly parents. And for you to toss that aside, well, that's very poor stewardship. You'll answer for that. We have the mantle of high standards, and I'm thankful for high standards. We should have high standards because we represent a holy God. We have the mantle of a Baptist heritage, and I could go on and on. All of these are good, and all of these matter. But are the mantles, are they what matters the most? See, as great as right doctrine is, without the presence of God in our lives, it's empty. Now, as, as wonderful as the mantle of the gospel is, if it's not accompanied by God's presence and His power, when we tell it to somebody, how effective can it be? And we may have God-pleasing music and, and good personal standards, and we should, but if we live without the Lord, how much do those mantles matter? 
See, we need to ask like Elisha, where's the Lord God of Elijah? I mean, the mantles and the power are not one and the same. It's just a coat without the presence of God. They are separable. You can have one without the other. You can have the mantle, but you don't have God's power. And our first passion, and I'm thinking about especially as parents, it should be for God's presence and power, not just the mantle, not just the standard, not just, hey, bless God, this is what we have, but God's presence in our lives. Because I do believe that we hurt our children by raising them to just exalt the mantles, but in our daily lives, they don't sense God's presence. And they don't sense God's power. The mantles, listen, the mantles are a result of the relationship with God, not the reason for it. We're not close to God because we dress right. No, if we're close to God, we will want to dress right because we represent a holy God. We must be more passionate for the God of the mantles than we are the mantles of God. We need the objects. And it's just, I mean, without God's power, what is this except an object? It's just something I can hold. It's just, it's just something I can carry. It's just something people can see. But we, we need the objects, but we need God's presence and power even more. And I'm applying this tonight because it's parent principles, mostly to dads and moms. And listen, mantles are great. There are a lot of mantles, and not just even spiritual. Or I'm not even just talking about biblical things. There are a lot of things we should be passing to our children, things like a good work ethic. Well, you want to, you're, you, if you want your children to stand out in this culture, teach them just to work average, and they'll stand out in this culture. I mean, a good work ethic and good grades in school, you want them to have good grades. You want them to do their best. You want them to excel at the things they're doing, and you want them to learn music, and you want, I mean, you want them to have a good spirit. I mean, that'll help you stand out in this day and age, too. You want, I mean, just to have children that don't throw fits when they don't get their way at Walmart. I mean, that's, that'll help them stand out. Listen, being faithful to church, I mean, these are all good things. And I think most parents in this room, they would agree that all those are important. And most of us would agree as well that we want our children to make a difference for God. But if we teach them to value the mantles over the God of the mantles, we're giving them objects without power. Good objects, I mean, good kids and good grades and hard workers and being involved in church and standards and religious activity can become just objects without the God behind them. They're just coats, overcoats. Raising children can become a checklist. And I don't want my kids to grow up thinking dad's more passionate about the checklist of the mantles that we have to uphold because we're Christian and because we're Baptist and because I'm a pastor and because that's just what we do. I don't want them to grow up thinking I'm more passionate about their mantles than I am about their walk with Jesus Christ. So moms and dads, how's your walk? Do you expect your children to be passionate about a relationship with God if you're not? I also think about those receiving a mantle. We, we all have an Elijah. You know, there's, all of us in this room, we have somebody that is influencing us or has influenced us for Christ. And, and for you young people down here, maybe your parents and the children in this room, it may be your parents. And 
for everybody in here, you've got a pastor or or you've got some other church member investing in you or you've got friends or you've got family members. We've all received mantles. But we can't forget that the life that pleases God the most is not found in objects. It's not found in the outward things. It's not found in the things that you can see. The life that pleases God the most is a life of faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the, uh, the evidence of things have not, not seen. In other words, you can't see faith, and faith is the only thing that pleases God. Now, you can see the evidence of faith, but I think we flip it sometimes, and we jump straight to the evidence of faith, and we skip the, the faith because it's easier just to put on the overcoat sometimes. But we've got to be careful that we don't get so wrapped up in the mantles and the objects that we bypass a relationship with the person, uh, our Father in heaven, God. Think about all the good mantles we've received. I mean, I'm independent Baptist, and I'm thankful for it, and the right doctrines and the strong preaching, hopefully. And the, I'm not, I didn't say good preaching, but sometimes it maybe, hopefully, it's strong. King James Bibles and... I mean, I, you say certain things and everyone says, amen, and good music and soul winning, and I could say all the good amen buttons, but those are great, but they don't mean a person has faith that pleases God. We can have all those things and not actually have God himself. And if that's the case, then we're spinning our wheels. We are powerless and we've just got an overcoat. Take seriously, folks, the mantles that you've been handed. A passage like this, this is apparent principle, a passage like this is, is helpful to parents, but I'm telling you, as a son, boy, this is convicting too, because I've been handed some mantles. I've been handed some things that should matter to me. And for me, for just to release those without thinking about it or without giving it much thought and just to kind of bypass what I've been given, well, I think I'm going to answer for that. Listen, this isn't about minimizing the standards we've received. They're important. We need to carry them higher than ever before. But if we have the objects without the Lord of the objects, then, and I don't want to say it too strongly, but we're Pharisees. And we can't afford to be Pharisees. There's enough Pharisees. What the world needs is a group of people that knows their Father, has a walk with their God, not just the mantles, but the God of the mantles. I I was thinking this week about things my father taught me. And, I mean, some of you may have heard this. My, um, my dad is, my mom and dad, both, they, they got coronavirus. They've, they're both fighting through it right now. And they got it, they were traveling and this week, and, and they got it, up, or last week, and got it up in Washington State and had to drive back sick and come off the road. They were traveling with one of the groups from Heartland. And so I've been talking to my dad a lot lately, you know, just checking up on him and, and it's a fight for him right now. He's not, he's not doing great. I, I pray for him if you get an opportunity to. But, you know, it just caused me to be introspective this week about the things I got from my dad. And I, I mean, he gave me a lot of silly things, too. You know, my dad's a fun guy. And if you've ever been around him, then you know he is. And, and sometimes, you know, the older I get, I know I've said this before, I realize I'm a lot like my dad. And, um... You know, I root for the teams he roots for, and I root against the teams he roots against. And we have similar likes and dislikes and similar personalities and interests and some of the funny, silly things he does. I find myself doing. My dad is 
the king of dad jokes, and, and I have not told more dad jokes in my whole life than I have the last few months. I'm just, I'm really turning into my father. <laughs> Things he taught me, though, I mean, some serious mantles he gave me. He gave me a mantle of faith. You know, my, my, my family, when I was young, we were living in Texas, and, and uh, all of our family lived in the town, the city that we lived in. And, and my dad, because he felt like the Lord was moving him, he packed up our family. We said goodbye to all, both sets of grandparents, all of our aunts and uncles, and we moved to Evanston, Wyoming, where we'd never been before, and took a church that was in dire financial straits, uh, I was months behind on a mortgage. There's just a few people there. And my dad said, no, God's calling us to go to Evanston, Wyoming and go pastor this church in, in this struggling work. And, and he, by faith, moved our family up to Wyoming and showed me that if you stick something out, God can do great things because he did there. Church did, I mean, it didn't, it never became a mega church. A lot of people saved. And a lot of people grow, and it, there's still a strong church in Evanston, Wyoming. My dad taught me about trusting God. When, my, when I was about 11, my 13-year-old sister, she had, she had cancer, and I mean, pretty bad cancer, and they basically told our family they didn't think she was going to live for 18 months. She endured very difficult chemotherapy, and we had a lot of tough moments. And yet, all the, the whole time, I saw my parents remain faithful to the Lord. In the next few years, my parents will have been in ministry for 50 years. And a lot of men he went to school with or pastored with at the same time, they're nowhere to be found in ministry anymore, but my dad's still doing it. He hasn't wavered from the truth, and God's blessed him for it. He, he gave me things like standards and taught me the importance of doing things the right way and representing the Lord the right way. And I didn't always understand at times back then. I certainly do now, though. And in parenting, I would, consider my, I would have considered my parents to be very strict. I think most young people growing up, they might say that. Remember the first time I ever skipped school, my parents happened to go to the school that day, the only the first time. They were going to go put something in my car for me, and my car was gone. First time I ever skipped school. The Lord led them to find out. Lord does that, doesn't he? <laughs> Got grounded for six weeks for skipping one class. You tell me how fair that is. Come on. But I'm thankful for that mantle that he didn't, that he, he made me learn the lessons, consequences. I'm thankful that he gave me the mantle that every morning at six o'clock, my family would meet at the breakfast table for devotions. Six o'clock. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I was awake for any of them, but I sat there with my eyes open because it's what we did. You know, I got a lot of mantles from my dad. And I'm thankful for it. But what I'm most thankful for, and again, and I'm just thinking about my dad a lot these days. What I'm thankful for the most is that my parents taught me it's not just about the mantles. It's about the God that makes the mantles worth having. I'm thankful for his preaching and I'm thankful for his teaching. And I hope he listens to this. I'm thankful for his correction. 
It wasn't always easy, but I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness and his faith in the tough times and his standards and his desire for me to live right. But I never doubted that my dad and really my mom too, both of my parents, I never thought they were just doing it for the objects. Because I would watch my dad early every morning wake up and read his Bible and pray. And my mom was the most spiritual person I know. I'm telling you, it was never about the mantles. It was never about the objects. They still have a passionate desire to walk with God. I mean, I, we go stay at their house, and I, I would rather stay in a hotel sometimes because my dad's up at like 4.15, making coffee and making noise in the kitchen. and We're trying to sleep, but he's going to get up, and he's going to read his Bible every morning. Listen, without the God of Elijah, I mean, my dad just has mantle. I mean, without, all, all he has is mantles, objects. But it's, for him, it's always been about the God of the mantles. And folks, we need to be the same way. We need to be sure that in transferring our faith as parents or as leaders of one generation, as we transfer that to the next generation, that we don't just give them coats. That we show them what it's like to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And not to settle for the outward Christian life, but start inward with their own walk with God. Because Jesus Christ said it the very best when he said in Matthew 22, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which, of, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You know this, thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. He's not talking, he doesn't talk about mantles. He talks about the God of the mantles. Elisha got a lot from Elijah in the transfer. He did. Elijah laid his mantle on him, and Elijah challenged him to follow God's plan. Elijah trained him, and Elisha got a double portion of that spirit. But above all, he received from Elijah the realization that what gave everything else meaning in his life, was a personal passion for a relationship with Elijah's God. You know, there's nothing more rewarding in life than personal fellowship with God. That's the life that matters. That's the life that pleases God the most. It's the life that is most fulfilling. It's not about the mantles. And if you're passing mantles down or, or receiving them from somebody else, we all need to remember if we lose sight of the person and power behind them, then we've chosen to live for the mantles of God instead of the God of the mantles. Parents, live in such a way that your children ask, where is the Lord God of my mom? Where's the Lord God of my dad? Because I, I've seen him walk with the Lord God and I want not just their overcoat, I want the God behind it all. Parents, is your relationship, does it affect your daily life? Is it real? Is it genuine? Is it vibrant? Is it consistent? What are you most passionate about? I mean, what gets you the most upset, parents, when your children, when they, when they encroach upon a mantle you've given them, or when they neglect their relationship with the God of the mantle. 
Because I think as parents, it's pretty easy to target the mantles and not say much about the relationship that's missing. And we don't want to send the message to our children that what they do is more important than who they are. Children in this room refuse to live for the mantles. Yeah, accept the mantles. Embrace the mantles. And they're important because they they matter. I mean, as a Christian, you need some mantles. You need some markers that you follow God. But don't just settle for objects when you could have the person himself. It's about the God of the mantles, not just the mantles themselves. And that's the principle tonight that hope it applies to parents and children alike. Let's go back to the God of the mantles, not just the mantles of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we stand. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.